As we age, sleep patterns change. Do you have problems falling asleep and staying asleep? Do you wake up more frequently during the night, like I do? Sleep quality and duration become more crucial in later life. Poor sleep can exacerbate age-related health issues and cognitive decline. Mm, big words for JD this time of the day. But my job is to find out how we can get a better night's sleep. That's the bottom line. And to that end, I have the sleep guru herself, Dr. Maura Junger, CEO of Sleep Health Foundation. Between the two of us, we're going to try and put you to sleep. Uh, well, should I say, we're going to try and get you a better night's sleep. Moira, welcome to Your Life Choices. Hello, John. It's so important as we get older or at any stage of life to get a good night's sleep. What drew you as a, a doctor to the Sleep Foundation? I was a nurse for a long time at the Alfred Hospital in Melbourne. And then I decided to be a psychologist because I was interested in the relationship between our sort of our physical health and our mental health. This is back in the 90s. And while I was studying to be a psychologist, the Alfred Hospital started up their first ever sleep disorder centre that's still there. It's nearly 30 years ago now. And I fell in, literally fell in love with the field because the people that I was doing sleep studies on, they were so debilitated. When you're not sleeping, it's, I mean, it's a torture thing for the CIA, isn't it? Like sleep deprivation. It can be a really difficult thing. So I realised, so I just sort of started working in the field. I've been a clinician for a long time and then just nearly two years ago now, I'm taking on this role of being more education, awareness, prevention, getting out to the people rather than waiting for people to come to see me in a clinic. I've actually think that people can learn how to self-help better. They can learn how to do certain strategies that will really help them. Now, I think of these sleep clinics mainly for parents who have babies who have sleep issues. No, funnily enough, they're mostly about sleep disorders in adults. But all the major public hospitals around Australia have a sleep centre and a lot of the focus is on obstructive sleep apnea. Explain to me what sleep apnea is. So sleep apnea, the word apnea is Latin for absence of breathing. So when people stop breathing during the night, often there is, it's associated with loud snoring and periods of people stopping breathing. It might be 10 seconds, it might be 60 seconds. It's quite frightening when you see your bed partner stopping breathing. But sleep apnea, until you're a menopausal age, it's four times more likely to be in men and they're more likely to be those loud snorers, you know, like the kind of guy that no one wants to sleep with on the footy trip. You know, they're really known for their loud snoring. What causes snoring? When you're lying flat, sometimes it's about the weight around your neck. Sometimes it's a, a bit of a big tummy. Sometimes it's just the, the structure of your jaw. And often it can be when people are drinking a few reds on your back. All the muscles are, you know, it's a muscle relaxant and everything's a bit wobbly. And when the, and you're lying flat and then the upper airway is partially or totally occluded. So with snoring, it's just partially occluded. Some air gets through still. But with apnea, there's a cutoff. It's an, it's, there's no air getting through. So the person stops breathing. And when they start breathing again, you know, that awful, you know, a choking kind of chortling sound. And when that happens all the time, like several times per hour, that person doesn't, they're not aware, they're asleep. They're the type of person that says, oh, I sleep well, I sleep anywhere, I can sleep on a barbed wire fence. They're not aware, they're not having insomnia, tossing and turning. They're sleeping, but they're actually having poor quality sleep. And they've got, and the daytime manifestation is excessive daytime sleepiness where they'll fall asleep unintentionally. You see them in meetings, you see they're falling asleep in the movies, they're falling asleep at the ballet. All of us can do that to some extent when we're sleep deprived. But if you're doing that all the time or you're falling asleep at 10am, despite adequate opportunity, you've had a big sleep at night. We know that even people who are ageing well otherwise, but if they've got mild sleep apnea that's not treated, they're actually at more risk of developing cognitive decline like dementias or other sorts of neurodegeneration. It sounds a bit alarmist, but it's actually just 
a good, clear message for people in their 60s and 70s and 80s, particularly when you think you're pretty well, I would get your snoring checked out or if someone says to you, you stop breathing in your sleep because you can get it treated. It can be weight loss can be a thing, can be a mouth guard, could be a CPAP machine, not the mask. I really do recommend that people go to Sleep Health Foundation website, which is sleephealthfoundation.org.au. Waking up at three o'clock in the morning or two o'clock in the morning or whatever and not being able to go back to sleep. Moira, what is your advice? The advice is to, first of all, know that waking is normal. Even when you were 18, you woke several times per hour or at least once an hour. When we transition through sleep stages, we all wake up. But as we get older and we start to think it's a problem and we look at the clock and we start to think it's a problem, it's not a problem. What, what is a problem, though, is staying awake for hours and hours on end and not getting back to sleep. So first of all, it can really help knowing it's normal. Try to not even open your eyes. If you go to the toilet, try to do that with you know, semi-eyes closed. Hold on to the walls. <laughs> don't, don't, you know, don't fall over. But don't try and wake up too much. Please resist the temptation to look at what the time is. Apart from all that, once you're, if you're really, really totally awake and you're really alert and you're frustrated about that, it's best to not try to do too much at all. Maybe have a read? Absolutely. Stay in pretty dim light conditions. Don't put on all the lights, but maybe just a little lamp or a head torch and do some reading. Listen to, you know, a John Deeks podcast. <laughs> That'll put you to sleep. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, listen to a bit of radio. You'll go back to sleep. You will go back to sleep. It's really important to have a relationship with your bed that is just for sleeping. So if you're lying there and tossing and turning, for goodness sake, try and get up, sit in a chair, go somewhere else. Or if you're, you know, it depends if you've got a bed partner or not, you're going to, you know, disturb the other person putting the light on. It's best to just go out to the lounge if you can and do a little bit of reading. Be quite confident that you will go back to sleep. It's just the way it is. Like, you know, you're, the way you were when you were, you know, 24 with your sleep is not going to be the way you are when you're older. I notice uh, a lot of the kids tend to look on their iPads and, and their smartphones before they go to sleep. Is that kind of stimulus bad at any age? Do you know what? It's actually not all bad, believe it or not, because if you, you could be on your device, um, your iPad, and, and you might particularly if you don't have it for too long, like like hours and hours and hours, if you just look at something briefly, particularly if you've got the, the night mode on, like you don't have the bright, have it turned down, don't have bright light in your eyes, you could do a little puzzle or you could listen, you know, watch a bit of news. If you find that relaxing and if it's not for hours on end, it's actually not shown to be too bad. How much sleep do I need? I'm 72, going on 73. How much sleep do I need? How much sleep does an 18-year-old need or whatever? Yeah, yeah. Interesting. From 18 through to about 65, we say that you need between seven and nine hours of sleep. And then after 65, it's between seven and eight hours sleep. But having said that, that's a bit of a guide. Duration is not really the big deal. It's actually consistency. So being regular, being regular with your sleep, the time you go to bed and the time you get up, if you can do that as regular as possible, that will be much better for your health than worrying about how many hours you get or don't get. We do know that anywhere between six and 12 is normal. We don't have much of an emphasis on duration. We'd have an emphasis on yeah, consistency, timing, making sure that if you're a night owl... Is that a fallacy or is that genuine? I'm a lark. I like to get up. I'm not an owl. I think that it's not a fallacy. It's actually genetic. It's like our eye colour and our, you know, everything else we, we inherit it. And you've got to live true to it, especially if you're retired. When you, once you can live true to that, please live true to that. And if your bed partner is a night owl or they're a lark... You know, I just hear so many people trying to go to bed at the same time and it doesn't really suit them. It suits their partner. But once we're in older years, like make the most of this freedom that you maybe can get up a bit easier. But I think the message is from me. I think don't expect perfection. Don't get too rigid about it. What we, we have this thing we know in the textbooks called sleep effort. And if people are putting too much effort in, 
being too rigid about it, that upsets the apple cart as well and they don't sleep well. So I think it's really important to, yes, prioritise sleep, know that it's important, listen to your own body clock, go to bed when you think you're sleepy and tired no matter what the clock says. Don't worry too much. If you're someone who quite likes a bit of a, you know, I wake up all the time in the middle of the night but I go back to sleep again, that's great because when we say like that six to seven or whatever hours we, I talked about earlier, there's a real indication. We know that people don't need to do that in one go. You can supplement it with naps. So, so you, so the hence the nana nap, you know. <laughs> I'm a napper. I do like a nap. Fortunately, I can do it for about 45 minutes and then wake up. So I don't go into oh, wow. to deep REM sleep and which you, you wake up and you feel like you've been kicked in the head. Having short naps is good because you don't wake up out of deep sleep. So that sleep inertia where you can't get going. And the other thing about long sleeps is, is that you might shoot yourself in the foot about not being able to sleep that night at a, when you get a proper opportunity for a major sleep period. So the nap, like the short word that it is, implies a short period of time, not hours. Now, don't, napping, is, if it's more than an hour, if it's hours, it's not a nap. It's a sleep. It's a full-on, full-blown sleep period. All of us, whether we've had lunch or not, have this thing called the post-lunch dip that, that we do. We're all pre-programmed to need a sleep. And it's only the little kids, preschoolers and the retired that do often get a chance to have a nap. Haven't the Europeans got it right? They're the only ones in their right mind in the Mediterranean. <laughs> like, they have their fish, they have their good olive oil, then they have a sleep. Yeah, so recommend, embrace the nap, that's for sure. Apart from going to sleephealthfoundation.org.au to find out more, what are some of the takeaways, Moya, that you can give our listeners? Yeah, the takeaways would be to enjoy sleep, prioritise sleep. I want you to, if you do think you're having sleeping difficulties, for if you feel like you've got sleep apnea or one of your loved ones might, if you feel like you just, you're quite distressed by you're not getting enough sleep, I really stress that you go to talk to your GP. The take-homes is that there's there are lots of sleep disorders people out there. There's sleep physicians. There's certain psychologists that have trained in sleep. People like us that have had, you know, the, the, the resources. There's online courses. What? will people find on sleephealthfoundation.org.au? We've got videos of people's stories, like people who have sleep apnea, people with, you know, hypersomnia, who are excessively sleepy, people with insomnia. So we've got that. But what we want to do is over time we will have um, like a course you could do, you know, enrol here for free to do a to a sleep course. We'll have um, all that sort of stuff. But at the moment it's what we call fact sheets. It's just information sheets. But you, look, you know, look up, um, there's a whole section on sort of on ageing and sleep. We have a fantastic booklet that actually is for anyone who's caring for someone with dementia because there's some sleep, some really good, easy to manage sleep tips around exposing yourself to light and dark at the right times. Because that's my key takeaway is that what I talked about earlier about the, the you know being a night owl, etc. Get light during the day, like lots and lots of light, and in the evening. When it's dark outside, make sure that you plunge yourself into dim light conditions. Turn the overhead lights off in your house. Mood lighting, just lamps. All of us secrete melatonin in response to darkness. But if you've got all the lights on, it gets the, doesn't get, the brain doesn't get the message to actually secrete melatonin, which is the hormone we need to initiate and maintain sleep. So a lot of people, and when we're over 55, particularly over 65, it gets harder, like our hair colour and our skin, and it's not what it used to be. Melatonin isn't what it used to be. So we've got to kind of massage it along a little bit with, you know, turn the lights off and get out in the morning, have a, a morning walk, get yourself out into the bright light. That'll suppress your melatonin and have that regularity, like that consistency of your sleep is what's probably key and getting it checked out if you think there's a problem, like go and speak to a doctor, get a referral to a sleep centre. And listen to your body. Moira, thank you so much for giving up your time. Sleephealthfoundation.org.au is the place to go. We'd love to talk to you again. Thank you so much, John, for the opportunity to speak about sleep. 
Well, I hope you found this discussion on sleep of interest. And until next time, this is John Deek saying thank you for taking the time to listen to this Your Life Choices podcast. And I'm off for a nap. 